Wax Podcast Bar now. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Strykert. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your tits. My name is A.A. Ron, and I am here, and we are back. We are back, And baby. we are in a new space. We are in a new space. We are in Cax Podcast Bar. Downtown Calgary. Downtown Calgary. Uh, shout out to Cax. Uh, it's honestly a great little venue here. Uh, Sean has helped set us up with uh, everything here, uh, yeah. which is super nice. Um, and uh, so moving forward, I guess we should tell people a little bit of our plan. We're going to be recording here when we have guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be recording on our own when it's just the two of us. Yes. And then we're going to be doing Zoom uh, when we have interviews that are on Zoom. We'll just do them from our apartments. Yes. Um, because we're cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're kind of like we talked about a little bit in our last episode. We're in like a transition period. Yeah. We're becoming new men. Um, so this is a part of becoming a new man. We're in a new space. Um, so, yeah, it's super exciting. We got nice beers on draft here. Um, really cool spot. Never been here before. But it's like a little bit of a bar with a podcast studio, and it's a cool little concept. Yeah, it's um, uh, honestly, like, I'm really digging the uh, the atmosphere here. I'm digging the staff. Uh, I was here uh, right before I left for Halifax, uh, before I be- became a Haligonian. Yes. Uh, before that, uh, I came here and I headlined the, the comedy show on the Thursday. Nice. And it was so much fun. And then I came in here and did the podcast here with them. So if you want to check that out, it's on the CAX uh, podcast website. Fuck yeah. Uh, YouTube. Yeah. Spotify. <laughs> but yeah, Spencer's Amazon been, Music. <laughs> Spencer's been gone now for a couple months, and it's been weird, like, you know, when... A piece of you just goes away. I know. Um, I feel like that Fleetwood Mac song. Yeah. Yeah. Rhiannon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had like a Fleetwood Mac style breakup of our podcast. So, uh, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but it's it's great to be back. Um, I've been looking forward to seeing Spencer uh, for a long time. Which is the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah. It's, I usually uh, don't feel that way. And he's come full mustarded out for us today. Yeah. I'm, mustard hat, mustard shirt. Ooh, I'm a, I'm a mustard boy. And we got a special episode episode today because we're re-recording one of the episodes yes, that we've already written up so it was a nice like it was a nice chill prep work for the two of us just had to listen to the album and reacquaint ourselves and honestly it was great cuz uh, on the plane ride home yesterday listened to the album uh, thrice because nice. i fell asleep twice nice <laughs> so uh, but I, I know this album like the back of my ass Me too. you know like i i i mean like uh, you've seen the title we're doing Kid Cudi's Man on the Moon, End of Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great album. Uh, honestly, uh, a big part of my youth. I'm sure you yes. would say the same. Uh, really shaped how I viewed hip-hop, I would say. Because mm-hmm. uh, it made me go, oh, fuck, you can tell a story with an album. Uh, you can have a whole concept album mm-hmm. as a hip-hop artist, which is crazy. And I think this is like a lot of people our age, like we talked about this before, but a lot of people our age, this is people that are into hip-hop or into... Um, you know, pop music. This is a transitional album for a lot of people that are, you know, in their mid to late 20s. When this came out, this was the fucking shit. Yeah. No one had done anything like Cuddy did this album. It's different than anything that was out at the time. Um, even like compared to other great hip hop artists who were releasing some of their best work yeah. in that time period. It's completely different from Kanye stuff. And Cuddy and Kanye are like linked at the hip. Yeah. For good and bad. For but, good and bad. But yeah, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, you know, he was making something different that hadn't come out, and that's... I can't say Cuddy has consistently done that his whole career, but off, yeah. off, <laughs> off, off, off the hop, he really came out strong. He came out really strong, and, like, 
I, I, I was listening to uh, The Miseducation of uh, Lauren Hill mm-hmm. uh, a lot while I was on tour, and uh, I was wondering about it. I'm like, you know, I wonder if, like, because, you know, that's a that's an almost perfect album. Yes. Like, it's, and it was so genre-bending and, and decade-defining and, and just, like, a, a true powerhouse of an album. And then she just went fucking... MIA, you know, yep. completely off the radar. And I've wondered, I'm like, if her second album came out, would it have been like Man on the Moon 2? You know, would it have been just kind of like a... Eh, a speeding bullet to heaven? Speeding bullet to yeah, heaven. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say. But Cuddy certainly, like, we are not reviewing his later stuff. I think he's had some really great albums oh, since yeah. this one. But this album is and a defining album for a career. Specifically singles, too. Yes. Because I think, like... Some of his singles that have came out in the last couple of years have been amazing, and uh, and not all of them. There's been uh, quite a few mm-hmm. duds, honestly. Mm-hmm. But but uh, but for instance, surfing with Pharrell Williams, yep. I'm like, oh, put that on. I'm ready to fucking go. I'm Even when you dropped this summer, Porsche Topless. Yeah, I sent that to you. Good song, just like Good a song. chill chill summer song. And some of his collabs, like his collab album with Kanye, is like in my top fifty albums of all time. Oh yeah, probably in like the thirty range. Um, you know, a nice, like, crisp, like, eight-track, nine-track album with him and Kanye. It was really great. So. Yeah, and I wonder where they land on both sides of the Israel-Palestine issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> but before we get into this, we have a little bit I wanted to do with Spencer. Yeah, I'm uh, excited for just this. Just to challenge his hip-hop knowledge. Mm. So I've curated a list of some real rappers' names. Okay. And some fake rappers' names. Okay. And you're going to go, I'm going to give you two at a time. And I want you to decide which one's the real one. And which one's the fake one? Yes. Mm. So, we'll start out nice and easy for you. Okay. We have Yabitz, and we have Pusheisty. I'm going to say Yabitz is real. No, Pusheisty oh, is real. no, I'm already going weak. So now I have, after this, I have 808 Jackets. Okay. And Kind of Linguists. Kind of linguists is real. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's too good. That's too fucking. That's too fucking good of a name. That's too okay. clever. So I have Funk Easel Mathematics and Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. Dell the Funky Homo Sapien obviously okay. is yes. the real one. Yes. I'm sorry. I know Dell the yeah. Funky Homo Sapien. He's actually Homo quite Sapien. good. He's yeah. quite good. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. He's got some uh, Wu Tang too. He's got a collab with Wu Tang. Dude, well. he's also uh, Ice Cube's cousin. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. Uh, okay. Uh, here's another one. ASAP Childish. Okay. And I have Shorty Shitstain. <laughs> ASAP Childish is real. No, Shorty Shitstain oh, no, is real. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ew. Uh, I got Yeet and Juan Gotti. <laughs> There's got to be a rapper named Yeet. There's got to be. Yeah, you're going with Yeet? I'm going with Yeet. Curveball, they're both real. Oh. Juan Gotti and Yeet are both real. Juan Gotti sounds, uh, sounds so fake, though. Like, it sounds like <laughs> something that, like... Like it, that's that's one of those like name generators, but yes. like not for hip hop. Just like, what are what are two names? Yeah, that could come up. Yeah, well, the Teflon Don. He's referencing the Teflon Don, John Gotti. Oh, yeah, famous mobster. So and yeah. has a family that has a reality yes. TV show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. Yes, well, he's definitely fallen. Uh, I have swollen members. They're and, real and D blood. Yeah, f- swollen members are real. Okay. 
I know them because uh, uh, my motorcycle reins are fluttered. I'm star-studded. Nice. You motherfuckers ain't gonna be able to touch it. Listen, bitch, I'm a tough act to follow. Suck my dick and here's a nutsack to swallow. Wanna get personal, close and intimate? <laughs> Listen, kid, here's a mic. I'll get into it. Mental, I'm not sentimental. I'm intricate. It's impossible not to get into it. My intent to vent is not innocent. I'm guilty of being will filthy with these menacing ways. It's time to finish the phase. I'm proof that raw adrenaline and energy pays. Oh, my. Nice. Fuck yeah. Nice. That was quite impressive. <laughs> uh, they were on a list of the top 25 worst rap names of all time. Really? Yep. Uh, next one I got Big Quote or Havaya Mighty. Havaya Mighty, I think, is real. Yeah, she's Canadian. She's yeah, really? Toronto, yep. Well, yeah. fuck yeah. Canadian, eh? Let's go. Okay, I got Backstar and Dreddy Kruger. Dreddy Kruger has got to be real. Yes, yeah. Dreddy Kruger is real. Dreddy Kruger. I have Icy Spicy and Apple D-App. Icy Spicy is real. Nope. Really? Ice Spice is real. Apple D-App is one of the members of Black Eyed Peas that isn't Fergie or Will I Am. The other guy's name is Taboo. <laughs> so there's Taboo and Apple D-App. I did not realize there was more people than Will I Am and Fergie. <laughs> there you go. Lesson <laughs> learned. You've learned new things. Okay, I got No Name Gypsy and Slim Legend. Oh, No Name Gypsy. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Okay, I got Guru Assassin and Slim Jesus. Slim Jesus. Slim Jesus is real. Okay, I got 070 Shake and Batty BB. Oh, it's not Bad Baby, is it? No, so it's Batty BB? Yeah, Batty BB. Uh, I'm going to say 070 Shake is real. Yes, yeah. that's correct. That's correct. I got Jabba and I got Jabba the Hut. <laughs> Jabba? Oh, it also could be pronounced Joba or Joba the Hut. Oh. I'm going to go Joba the Hut then. No, Joba is real. God damn it. Joba is a member. And the second part is what threw me <laughs> off, you motherfucker. <laughs> you fucked me. <laughs> Sorry about that. And the last one, this one's really difficult. Okay. I have Easy Mac versus Easy Bake Mac and Cheese. Uh, I'm going to say they're both real. No. Just Easy Mac is Just real? Easy Mac. Okay. So these last two I got a little little thing for. So Joba's a part of Brockhampton. Okay. Uh, just zero. But Easy Mac, this might take us back to our unreleased Mac Miller episode. Ooh. Mac Miller originally went by Easy Mac. Really? But he got a cease and desist letter, like got threatened to be sued by this Easy Mac, who's a rapper from Canada, who once played Bermuda Shorts Day at... Uh, UFC. No fucking In 2016, way. my first Bermuda Shorts day. Wow, And he dude. came out on stage, and he was like, I'm on four tabs of acid. Who's fucked up? Ah. <laughs> dude, what the fuck? That's insane. Yeah, and he's got some collabs with, like, other known Canadian rappers, such as Mercules. Um... <laughs> So yeah, Easy Mac, uh, he's got a song, it's actually decent, called Tortured Genius. Tortured Genius? Yep. Does he really believe he's a tortured genius? He does, yeah, and he's like walking down like a Calgary alleyway, and there's just like the city of Calgary bins. Oh no, is he a Calgary artist? Uh, I think he lives in Vancouver now, but I think he was originally a Calgary artist. Yeah, Bringing down the Calgary name. What's the other one too? It's Easy. Um, He's got a good line, before Kevin Spacey got, you know, Kevin Spacey, he's got a line, before all that news came out, he's like... Pills from Kevin made me feel spacey. So he was a predictor of the future, the Nostradamus of Calgary. Man, Um. he should have been named Future because he could predict the future. It's another rapper's name. He would have had a cease and desist letter there too. Well, maybe that's just Farrell thinking. (laughs) What I love about (laughs) the whole future thing is poor Russell Wilson. Man, anytime he plays in an opposing team's arena, they play Future nonstop. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you know about... 
he was married to Ciara or whatever. Oh, yeah. And she, she used to be with Future. So, yeah, he's got kids with her. And uh, Future, I think Future's got a kid with her, too. Yeah, so anytime... Fuck. Future has, like, I don't know how many kids. But anytime he plays in an opposing arena... Um, they let it ride with uh, future tracks on the on the loudspeaker. That makes me sad because I was a big Seattle Seahawks fan, and Russell Wilson won us our first Super Bowl. So he's cringy. Yeah, he's super cringy. He's yeah. He, uh, especially I can say that now that he's not playing for the Seahawks. Yes, I, super I, cringy. I'll double down on that. Speaking of Denver Broncos, there's an important plug I have to make. Mm. Uh, coming up here in Calgary, Alberta, we have an appearance from Tim Tebow. Mm. <laughs> Living is I can't remember what the what the uh, quote is, but it's some sort of religious, um, like, sp- speak no yeah, thing, yeah. yeah, and he's uh, going to be, like, some church um, is going to be putting on a Tim Tebow show here. You know what? I'm going to go to that and have him sign his book, Yeah, because I ha- I read Through through My Eyes in High School, uh, which was uh, uh, good when he was talking about sports and, like, sports psychology, mm. and uh, fucking awful when he talked about religion. Yes. And religious psychology. Well, you know what I love about Tim and about Tebow? how he didn't want to have sex before he was married. Yeah, he would have, uh, you know, he was on those Florida Gators teams with, like, you know, Aaron Hernandez mm-hmm. and all sorts of other people that got arrested. I watched the documentary on Netflix because we're a sports podcast. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I don't know if it's you guys. Uh, but it was like they literally brushed over all of the criminal acts that happened during the season that they won the national championship. And they just talked about how hard the coach was and how it was like he had to have a different mentality to be a Florida Gator that year. What um, the fuck? Yeah. So that different mentality included <laughs> 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 gang gang murders and murdering your secret gay lover. Oh, um, fuck, dude. That's rough. Yeah. That's really rough. But he does a good job of putting his fist on his forehead and that's, going down on one knee. That's true. And that was a meme. Yeah, it that was. was a meme. Everybody T-bowed. We all T-bowed. Yeah. We all planked and then we T-bowed. Yeah. Also, speaking of football and music, Travis Cleese and Taylor Swift. Yes. Yeah. What do yes. you feel about that? Uh, it's, I like Travis Kelsey. I do, and his brother's even cooler, actually. Yeah, yeah his brother Jason Kelsey. Is it Kelsey? Kelsey? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was Kelsey. Yeah, he... Uh, I thought Cleese. He plays Cleese. for the Eagles, and he's like a fucking legend. They have a podcast together. Really? And it's really good, actually. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, they're really funny, and there was a Netflix doc... Not a Netflix, an Amazon documentary about Jason Kelsey. Oh, cool. Very super wholesome type dude. Nice yeah. guy. Nice guy. Well, then I'm happy for them. He's not like Tim Tebow wholesome. He's like... Normal person wholesome. Yeah, yeah. I liked when he shit on Aaron Rodgers a few weeks ago. That was good. I liked that. Yeah, Yeah, they had a little vaccination argument, yeah. Which is so stupid. Yeah, what did he call him? Mr. Pfizer, right? Yeah, Yeah. he called called, uh, Travis Mr. Pfizer, and he was like, well, I... I guess it's not a big deal to be called Mr. Right or something. Like, he had Uh, some fucking snapback. Yeah, they called him, like, a part of the Johnson & Johnson family Mm. or something like that. Just classic stuff. Uh, Just classic hilarity. Fucking, uh, you know what, 10 out of 10 roasts on the football field. Yeah, but I'm happy for, I'm happy for Travis Kelsey, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm happy for Taylor Swift. To put Taylor Swift on the map like that, like, Uh, good for him. Yeah, like, honestly, it was, it was nice of him to platform an emerging artist like that. Do you think if they get married, she would make him sign a prenup? Because he's only worth, like, 20-something mil, Mm. like, maybe 30 mil, and she's probably worth, she's worth a billion, she just rolled over the billion mark, so she's worth a billion bucks. I feel like anybody should sign a prenup. Yeah. I'm doing a prenup for my wedding. No, nice, good for you. I, I, we talked about it, we were both like, yeah, let's get a prenup, because, like, you never know what could fucking happen. Yeah, and you... is way smarter to get a prenup than to to I don't know. It's just stupid to me that that's not a thing. You're you're entering a legally binding contract. Yeah, you should get a prenup. 
What's mine is mine. What's yours yeah. is yours. I don't think I don't think Sarah would want half my shit anyways. <laughs> Just being honest. Yeah. That's fair. You want to have a whole drawer? You want half of my odd socks <laughs> and my underwear with fucking holes in it? Yeah. Do you want my PS5? It overheats now. <laughs> yeah. You want my PS5, my PS2, and my PS4? You can have you can have <laughs> one and a half of those things. <laughs> you had an Xbox 360, not a PS3. No, I had an Xbox 360, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. I think everybody did. I think so, too. Yeah. I, I had a PS2 as well. I just got my PS2 back. And I had a, I had a GameCube, too. My PS2 was back. taken away from me by my mom when I was a kid. You never got it back, eh? I just got it back. No, okay. it's, I, I left it at her house. I nice. forgot about it. Nice. Good now for I you. Have it again. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Anyways, All shall right. we? Shall we? Let's get into this. So every episode we talk about an album, we review the album, we talk about the history of the album, and this week we're doing... Man on the Mood by Kid Cuddy. By Kiddith uh, Cuddy. Kiddith of Cuddithis. Uh, of Cleveland, Ohio. Cuddith Olingus. Okay, so <laughs> this is the <laughs> debut album by Kid Cuddy. It was released on September 15th, 2009 through Dream On, Good and Universal Motown. It was produced by Kreda, Dot the Genius, Emil Hayri, Free School, Jeff Basker, Kanye West, mm-hmm. also known as Yee. <laughs> the Kick Drums. Matt Friedman, Plain Pat, and Ratatat. Nice. I uh, like Plain Pat. Uh, I think Plain Pat is on that Knife Talk song with Drake and 21 Savage, mm. um, which is like a killer song. So That's one of the only good songs on that album. Yep. That, yeah, that's accurate. That yeah. album, honestly, the last couple of Drake albums have been no. duds. Yeah. They've been bad, dude. Yeah, I saw a video of, did you ever see the video of the Barstool guy, Caleb, or whatever, interviewed Drake and had his son on there as well, and they interviewed his son, and, like, his son's, like, I don't know, like, four or five years old, like, he can't read, and uh, he was like, why can't you read? Is it because your dad's a bad dad? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Drake's, like, sitting there, like... Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, that's rough. You think you could read if you had a better dad? And then the kid was like... I already have my better dad. Oh, that's yeah, sweet. Yeah, it was Aww. sweet. Too bad he tried to hide him. Yeah. Yeah. That poor kid. Anyways, Kid Cuddy. Kid Cuddy. Kid Cuddy. Uh, it was a genre-bending album as it had mm. spacey, atmospheric production that fuses psychedelic, indie pop, rhythm and blues, electronica, and rock styles. Uh, the album received positive comparisons in production to West's 2008 album 808s and Heartbreaks. Jeff Giles of Popdo stated, It's basically a slightly more sonically expansive cousin, only Cuddy doesn't have to rely on auto-tune shenanigans to get his point across. Nice. Which is a very valid point. Uh, it's a concept album, and the themes are dark, introspective. Uh, they, there's a lot of talk about depression, anxiety, loneliness. It also touches on family issues, alcoholism, sex, paranoia, and fame. Um, Man on the Moon, The End of the Day is an autobiographical track series of moody, dark material that is separated into five acts that all surround day and night with an arcane account. Hmm. One thing I like about this album is, like, yes, it has serious themes, but also Cuddy's, like, pretty tongue-in-cheek in certain moments, and Kanye's, you know, tongue-in-cheek on Make or Say, but there's certain moments in the album where Cuddy's like having fun and being tongue in cheek. Oh yeah. And you know, some of the lines are really, really hilarious. I got ninety nine problems and they all bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just uh, you know like uh, there's a line I can't remember it off the top of my head now, but on Intergalactic, uh he's talking about her her like navel being like 
like moist like a toilet. Yeah, uh, moist it, like a toilet. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like okay. I mean, I get the reference. I get. The I think metaphor. it's towelette. Yeah, towelette. Towelette. Yeah, like you know, if the French would say toilet. Teddy, Teddy was probably just like eating some saucy wings, and he was cleaning up. And he was like, "Oh, that's a bar. Oh, that's a bar right that's there. That's a bar and a half." Me thinking about my lady with her spicy wings. Yeah, <laughs> spicy thigh. Spicy, spicy. Dripping wet thighs. Nice. Ooh, nice. that was gross. Uh, one. <laughs> Moist. One one reviewer some moist. One reviewer summed up the story to be a lonely guy sits in his room and dreams of success, uses drugs to calm his fears, and then fends off the night terrors. He eventually gets recognized as the star he always knew he was, lives out the life of a stupor star, or maybe he's still dreaming about that stage of his life, and we're just witnessing what his dreams sound like. Nice. So progression of the acts is as such. One, the album's first two songs are a one and two introduction to the rapper and what he is up to. There's a gloomy interior monologue about success, uh, the lack of it, and Cuddy's inner conflicts, where he welcomes listeners in by saying that uh, they are in his dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following that, there are uh, there's three tracks that are uh, the succession of Man on the Moon, where he is confined in his solitary world. Like in his current state, the music is appropriately obscure. Uh, this chapter of the album is the marijuana section. Uh, next is the part where he's on psychedelics, starting with mm-hmm. Day and Night, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the album's turning point, where it transitions from a drab theme of loneliness to vitality. Uh, Sky Might Fall, which is produced by West, details how he is able to deal with the problems and sometimes uh, continues on his search for happiness. Uh, Pursuit of Happiness is in the fourth section. It's a melancholic, mel- melancholic return to the self-examination of the perspective of a drug addict looking at their next hit the happiness of the track is fleeting confined within the limits of each high it's a glimpse into the search that seemingly will never end uh and then the album's closer is up up and away a drug escapist anthem on which he sets his sights on happy thoughts that will allow him to fly like peter pan mm-hmm. pretty fucking uh, uh comprehensive breakdown yes that was pretty solid and i would say like, we talked about, like, listening to this when we were younger, too. As you get older and re-listen to it, some of those themes become way more clear with life experience. Mm-hmm. Like, when this came out, I would have been, like, 11 or 12 years old. So, as you grow older, you experience a lot of the things that Cuddy talks about. The album takes on a whole new meaning. Oh, totally. Um, like, especially when we started re-listening to this in, like, July, and then revisiting it again now, um, you know, come October... Um, it was a whole other, especially because the winter season is like, yeah. even now, like the, we've had like two weeks or like a week and a half of like shitty weather and I, you already start to feel the seasonal depression creeping oh, yeah. up. Yeah. And I feel like this is a, this is a winter album. Yes. I will say like it, 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 although there are elements of it that end up going into a happier, you know, sort of, uh, uplifting rebirth sort of idea. I think that the majority of it makes me feel like I'm I'm isolated and fucking it's never ending. Yeah, you know? it's got this weird thing too, like that swimming pools on, um, you know, uh, Good Kid, Mad City had it's like a turn up song with with it's got like a really like deep meaning like fucking Pursuit of Happiness is the same thing. Yeah, like it was featured in you know Project X and all this sort of stuff, and it be- took a life of its own as like a party song. Um, same with swimming pools is like a drinking song, but the actual lyrics of the song is not about like about being an alcoholic and problems with alcoholism, but people just drink to it. And the, you know, I felt similarly with pursuit of happiness day and night, same sort of thing. Um, you know, he's talking about these, like he's talking about,
about depression. He's talking about being lonely, and people are just like, it got a, a life of its own as being like a party song. Oh, totally. Um, so there's that also duality in his music as well. If you actually really listen to it, you get the meaning, but it, you can also just turn up to it as well. You can turn up to it, yeah. and and I feel like that was the thing. There was there was definitely like. Uh, uh, parts of my youth, I, I talked about it before when we recorded it, but there was a uh, time when I had a broken femur and uh, they, uh, I had to get surgery on my leg to get the rods taken out after, mm-hmm. and they gave me a bunch of painkillers, and I was so fucked up when I was writing my final exams uh, in, I think it was grade 10. I was, like, so fucked up, and I was listening to this album so much, and the one that really fucking hit with me was uh, uh, Intergalactic, yeah. because right at the start of it, he's like... Uh, Get ready, pop it, let's go. And I'm just like, and so I'd be fucking popping fucking oxys and codeines on the bus <laughs> going to school. I'm just like ready That's to go. That's a great song, too. That's one I forgot about yeah. until we had that re-listen the first time around. Because I totally forgot about that track. Same with Maker Say, I forgot about that track, oh. too. Like I, I used to bump that shit so hard. And then, you know, come back. When you use your medulla oblongata, mm-hmm. getting the brain in the library <laughs> like I left college. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, coming back to it, you forgot about those tracks that I used to bump super hard. And um, speaking of Makers Say, that was a Lady Gaga sample. Yes, it was a Lady Gaga sample. They flipped that shit hard. Also, this whole album was narrated by Common. Mm-hmm. Which is fucking insane. Which is cool. Which it's, we talked about doing a Common album. I would love to do... Uh, a common album. I think it's B. It's the album I'd want to do. I think that's what it's called. I worked with him. Did you? Yeah, I was on Hell on Wheels with him. That's cool. Uh, Not in the same scene, but I saw him on set. He walked by you. Yeah, I walked by Common. Nice. Our friend uh, Hasem worked with him. Nice. Yeah. So you guys have something in common. We have something in common. (laughs) With Common. With Common. (laughs) Yeah, I like Common stuff. uh, That uh, Whatever that album is, I think it's 2005 album. It was all produced by Kanye, and it's like classic Kanye um, mm. yeah, it's got like Go and it's got this one Testify on it but it's all like the high pitched chipmunk vocals with like booming drums like Kanye's oh. classic like graduation college dropout Kanye stuff um, so yeah like it's like that That it was coming off late registration and in, in college dropout right before graduation so it was like Kanye in his prime like old school Kanye beat making dude um, I, I love I love good beat making Kanye yeah Unless he's beating on someone. Yes. You know, that's... Which he hasn't done a lot to, but verbally, yes. Verbally, he beats verbally, on a lot of yeah, people. He, he beats on a wide range. Specifically one group of one people. One group of people. <laughs> yeah. He uh, really doesn't like them for some reason. I don't but, know. But uh, anyways, yeah, there's... Um, that'd be a great album to do at some point in time. Anyways, yeah, cool that Kama narrates this. I, I knew that, but it, it was deep in my... <laughs> My memory bank there. Yeah, that one that one was deep in my memory until I read it too. Uh, the first track from the album to be released as a signal was sig- single mm-hmm. signal. Why do I keep saying signal when I read single? I'm actually dyslexic, and it's 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 something that I've been working it's on. Scary. It's yeah. kind of scary. Um, but the first track to be released as a single was signal. day and night. <laughs> Fucking don't do that because I'm gonna start doing it again. Day and night, which was a commercial success, it debuted at number 88 and peaked at number five on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Uh, there's also guitar on uh, this album by Alan White. Uh, White has co-written and performed for all of Morrissey's albums uh, issued between '92 and 2009. Little uh, Little Yachty's "Bring It Back." Uh, and Teenage Emotions. Nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into the about the artist. Scott Muschietti. 
Scott Miscotti, born January 30th, 1984, in Cleveland, Ohio. He grew up in Shaker Heights and Solon. Uh, he has two older brothers, uh, Domingo, Domingo and Dean, and an older sister, Maisha. Uh, his mother, uh, Elsie, uh, is a school choir teacher. And uh, his father was a house painter, substitute teacher, and World War II Air Force veteran. Uh, now, what's really crazy about this is uh, when he was 11, his father died of cancer. And his passing had a significant impact on Cuddy's music. Well, we were talking about this before, too, about how old his father would have been when he was born. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he fought in World War II, like, his father had to have been born, like, in the late 1920s at the earliest, At right? the earliest. Yeah. So... He was old as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have been, like, probably had Cuddy, like, and he was in his, like, late 40s or early 50s. I think we pegged it down to, like, 56. Yeah, it was 56, yeah, 56 I think. 56 when he had, had Which Cuddy. Which is impressive, because as a sperm, he had to swim through so many wrinkles yeah. <laughs> just to get born, man. Just to get fucking born. Uh, Cuddy attended Shaker Heights High School for two years before transitioning to Solon High School, and he was expelled from school for threatening to punch the principal, but later earned his GED. <laughs> I just find that line really funny. Both times that I've read it, I've laughed. Yeah, I don't it know. it is funny. It's funny just I'm going to punch you, bro. I'm going to punch you. Uh. I'm going to punch you in the face, man. You're the principal. Now you're on the ground. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> That's probably, like, the thing you probably shouldn't threaten to do to your principal. Like, one of, like, probably 50 things you yeah. probably shouldn't... Probably shouldn't threaten your principal at all. Probably not. I, I feel um, like generally threatening people yeah, but doesn't like, work especially out. especially, like, someone in a position of power. Position of power, yeah. Yeah, I would probably, you know... I'd avoid that. Yeah, I probably I'd avoid that, that personally. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, so he attended... Uh, he studied uni- uh, film at the University of Toledo, but dropped out after a year. His subsequent plan to join the Navy did not pan out because of his juvenile police record. Hmm. Probably a good thing. Yeah, I would say so. Now we got dope music. Uh, He first began rapping in 2003. I was eight. Uh, Towards the end of his time in high school and was inspired by alternative hip-hop groups such as uh, Farside. Farside? Farside? Farside and a tribe called Quest. Fuck. Nice. I, I had to do it three nice. times. We will do a tribe at some point. Too, we will. I'm a big fan. I, I love a tribe yeah. called Quest. Yeah, uh, me too. He later moved to New York City to pursue a music career. After leaving Cleveland in 2005 with $500 in a demo tape, he moved in with his uncle, an accomplished jazz drummer, Cal Maddy, in uh, the. South Bronx, and he worked at a couple of Manhattan clothing stores before eventually sharing an apartment with friend and collaborator Dot DeGenius in Brooklyn. So uh, he used to work at the Bape store. Uh, the Abathing Ape is the... We talked about this, too. But the Abathing Ape is a Japanese clothing brand, and he had a run-in with Kanye West mm. when he was working at the Bape store. So Kanye came in and bought a bunch of stuff. Bape was like... They're still fairly popular, um, but they were really popular in the mid-2000s. Um, but anyways, Kanye was buying their clothes at the store and Cuddy forgot to take off a security tag on his clothes. So Kanye, when he walked out, he beeped off and Cuddy had to chase him down to, ah. yeah, yeah. So that, that happened, which would be like something I would do if uh, like a celebrity came in, like when I worked at like H&M. Yeah, yeah. If a celebrity came in when I worked at H&M, I would probably fuck it up like that too. Oh, a hundred percent. Not intentionally either. Just like fuck it up. 
because yeah, you were just you're nervous. just nervous. Yeah, so that's a cool little like they met. I think they met twice actually before they actually ended up collaborating on this album and collaborating in the future. Shit. But they had a couple run-ins. I think Cuddy was working at a different store as well, and they had a similar thing, but he took the security tag off this time. That's really uh, crazy. But yeah, the Bape thing is a cool story, a cool little, like, yeah, it's sort of when he, when he first moved to New York, he was working at a bathing ape, and Kanye came in, and he fucked it up, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Kanye was probably like, who's this fucking idiot? Like, Dude, the other thing that I think is really crazy about this, and this is just like a, a, a side note, but... He was in Brooklyn uh, starting to make music around the same time that a great big pile of leaves were in Brooklyn starting yeah. to make music. So, I don't know. It's uh, two of my two of my. It's cool, too, influence. that I can, I can envision some of the places that they were living because we, we never went up to the South Bronx, but I went to Brooklyn. So I kind of got a rough idea of the vibe growing, like living there. It's probably a pretty interesting place to live and make music. Brooklyn uh, Heights. <laughs> Beluga Heights. <laughs> but, yeah, that's cool, man. The cool story. That is a really cool one. Uh, all right. In 2007, Kid Cudi's song Day and Night began getting featured on several music blogs after having initially been uploaded to MySpace. Uh, this early work caught the attention of Kanye West uh, with his then-manager, Plain Pat, uh, subsequently leading West to sign Cuddy to Good Music uh, later that year. And then in July 2008, he released his first mixtape, A Kid Named Cuddy, mm -hmm. which was executive produced by Plain Pat and Emil, Emil Haney. Uh, in collaboration with the New York streetwear brand Ten Deep as a free download. Nice. Uh, then Kanye first called upon uh, Cuddy to reference hooks for his and Jay Z's uh, album. Uh, oh fuck! Reference hooks. Uh, oh, on Jay Z uh, for the Blueprint Three. So not both of them, but no, you know what I mean. Just, just yeah, because Kanye was pr probably producing. Probably yeah, producing yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, to uh, Kanye's 808s and Heartbreaks, mm -hmm. assistance on the latter includes co-writing credits or vocals on Heartless, Welcome to Heartbreak, Paranoid, and RoboCop. Which are some of the best songs Those on that album. Those are some of the best yeah, ones, yeah. for Welcome sure. Welcome to Heartbreak is an amazing track. Oh, it's so good. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so Welcome to Heartbreak charted as an album cut and peaked at number 87 on the Pop 100. Uh, Cuddy's first television appearance was in uh, at the 2008 Music Video Awards alongside Travis Barker and DJ AM. Uh, Cuddy was promoted as an artist to watch for the media such as Rolling Stone Vibe, The Source, XXL, BBC's News, uh, 2009 Sounds of Poll, and MTV News reported on Cuddy on a series of reports entitled MCs to Watch in 2009. Nice. Fucking nailed it. All right, then he released Man on the Moon, End of the Day. Uh, during the summer of 2009, he was joined by uh, fellow up-and-coming rappers Asher Roth and B.O.B. for the Great Hangover <laughs> concert tour. Fucking <laughs> forgot about Asher Roth. I, I you know uh, what? And B.O.B. Like, I love college. Yay! And I love drinking. Hey, I love women. Hey, I love college. B.O.B. The flat earther. Can we pretend that airplanes <laughs> in the night sky are shooting stars? You can if you think the Earth is flat. The Earth is flat. The, the Earth, Earth is, is flat. If you fly to Antarctica, you'll go over the edge. Because <laughs> that that's because the Earth is flat. The Earth is flat. The Earth is flat. Yo, let me tell you a story about how. <laughs> Earth is like a piece of paper if you turn it upside down. Dude, he's so insane. I can't yeah. believe that he's a person. 
again. Yeah. Like, I didn't, you know what's funny is, like, I had forgot about B.O.B. because he was just a couple of features. It wasn't even like his songs were, like. Yeah, he had a couple of big songs at the time, but, yeah, he kind of fell off, too. But there's a couple weird celebrities that are flat earthers, like, fucking Kyrie Irving's a flat earther basketball player, and he, like, went to Duke. Only for a year, but you think you would learn that the earth is around if you went to Duke for a year. Dude, well, I mean, isn't Duke in Kentucky? No, it's in Carolina. Uh, North or South Carolina. Uh, I don't know if that's better. <laughs> <laughs> you play basketball, boy. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> that's what you do, man. Earth Just, is flat, ball is round, I don't care. Ball is round, earth flat. You get the ball in the hoop, it doesn't matter to me. Didn't Kyrie Irving, was he also the, uh, uh, he, he took a page out of Kanye's book and went all fucking anti-Sim? Yeah, he's, he's, something believes that in something. That's not correct. Man. I it, don't know exactly what the details was, but he promoted some sort of book or movie that was uh, really inaccurate. Um, and he also, like, will play basketball for a couple games and then just, like, disappear and not play basketball for a couple more games and come back. You know, uh, I'm really thankful that I don't have a strong enough opinion of anything to be yeah. wrong. You know, like, yeah. I just, I'm just, I just have nothing to stand behind. The art behind. of not giving a fuck. The art yeah. of not giving a yeah, fuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, in late 2009, uh, he announced that his follow-up to his debut album would be a compilation album entitled Cutter and the Revolution of Evolution, <laughs> which would have many collaborations. He stated he had already recorded songs with Snoop Dogg, Travis Barker, Clips, Cage, and Pharrell, and would like to work with Drake, Green Day, Kings of Leon, Robin Thicke, The Killers, and the Postal Service on That's the a, album. An eclectic group of musicians. It's quite the group. I'm ex- I, I was surprised there wasn't Willie Nelson in yeah, there, Dolly yeah. Parton. Like, let's just throw everyone that you could possibly... <laughs> Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Let's go. Um, Chet Baker. (laughs) Chet Baker. Eh, Maybe not. (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, here's the thing. Drake did that song with MJ. Yeah. Where he used the fucking demos. I'm sure there's some Chet Baker demos out there. He could probably do it. Probably do it. Probably do a demo with Chet Baker. A collab. Yeah, there we go. What's What's the two dead artists you'd like to see collaborate? Two dead artists I'd like to see collaborate. Interesting. Um... I don't know. You kind of put me on the spot with that one. I'd have to really think about it. Like, for some reason, I'm thinking Leonard Cohen, but I don't know who I'd want him to collaborate with. Um, like, Old Dirty Bastard? <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to really think about that one. That's a good question. Shimmy, though. shimmy, yam, shimmy, yo, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, a really good question. I'll take away the mic, and I'll kick you in the balls. The booyah. I had nothing. I don't dude. know. I'd have to really. Th- that's a that's a difficult question to answer on the spot. I'd have to really put my mind to it. Um, I don't know. I'll come back to it. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back to it. I I feel like I feel like for me it would be uh, uh, Michael Jackson and Kanye West. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's it. But Kanye's still alive. Well, he's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm, that doesn't add up. Uh, that doesn't add up. Um, yeah, no, I'd have to really think about it. That's a good question, though. That's something I might have to revisit. Uh, I'm trying to think who's died. Um, a lot of people. Yeah. More people than are on Earth currently have died. Yeah, that's true. Maybe someone with Bowie, too. That'd be interesting. Mm. Yeah, oh, shit, yeah. Bowie would, uh, Prince. Prince would be fucking dope with someone. Yeah. Prince would be dope. Um, oh, fuck. I don't know, Prince on the Weekend would be a pretty cool collab. Yeah. Like, if you were going dead and alive, Prince on the Weekend would be Someone a cool with collab. Someone like, you know, John Cougar Mellencamp or Tom Petty. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's the Heartland Rock. It's I fucking... John Cougar Mellencamp, I'm assuming, is still alive. I think he is. Yeah. I think yeah. he's still touring and selling out stadiums. Nice. I okay. think he's, he's still at that stage. Um, okay, so the lead single from his second album, entitled Erase Me, features Kanye West and Good was song. produced by Jim Jonesen. Song debuted on Cleveland Radio. Uh, on June 30th, 2010, and was officially released to Rhythm Crossover Radio on August 17th. Um, then the title track, Mr. Rager, was released as the album's second single shortly before the album's release. Album released on November 9th, 2010, debuted at number three on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart. First sale week of 169,000 copies. Second week, it crossed 200,000 units sold. Marvin Gaye and Whitney Houston. That's my answer. Ooh, that's, that's my a good answer. one. That's my answer. That's a good one. That's my answer. I like that answer. I like I like a good Marvin and Whitney. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually, Whitney would be good with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Oh, man, I don't know. You know what? Uh, Adele and Amy Winehouse. That would be good. That would be good. Um, okay, so uh, I'm just going to flip ahead here. Yeah, jump, uh, jump ahead. So, in uh, October 23rd, 2018, in response to a fan on Twitter, Cuddy revealed that he had began working on his seventh studio album, although he said it would be taking, uh, he would be taking his time to create his forthcoming LP. Uh, he projected a 2019 release. Then he released it. It was titled Enter Galactic, which he revealed would be the soundtrack to an upcoming Netflix adult-focused mm-hmm. animated music series co-created by himself and Kenya Barris. And then on April twenty fourth, two thousand and twenty, he or twenty twenty, two thousand and twenty, two thousand and twenty, Cuddy Cuddy released uh, a collaboration with Travis Scott called uh, the Scots. Yep. Uh, that one debuted atop the Billboard Hot 100 chart. <laughs> uh, and then uh, his daughter announced via social media that he would be releasing a song with multiple Grammy-winning artists, Eminem, titled The Adventures of Moon Man and Slim Shady. It's a pretty weak song. Yep. Uh, I didn't like either of their no, work on it. I'm not crazy, uh, crazy about it either. I'm not crazy about anything Eminem does nowadays, but I also I read somewhere that uh, I, I think it was Dr. Dre said, uh, you know, Eminem's already proven himself, so he just had, like he can just show up. He's Eminem. Who he's gives got a fuck? A, he's got a really good track with Joyner Lucas called Lucky You from like five, four or five years mm-hmm. ago, I think. That's a good song. That one's a good one. Other than that, I haven't heard. Marshall Mathers LP2 was the last good album that he had. I haven't had. heard a lot from Eminem lately that really impresses me. Yeah. I feel like Marshall Mathers LP2, there was some really good samples on there. His fucking, that was the one with I Rap did, God. It was good when he, when he murdered uh, MGK. Oh, was that was killer. Yeah, Fuck so. me. That you was know, he still got it, but and, and that was the thing too. He did that within like twenty four hours. Yeah. He just the, like fucking uh, the, the, writes it, records it, and it's ten times better. But then he follows it up with like, "That's an awfully hot coffee pot." Have you ever seen that video? No. They had him freestyling in like a parking garage for like the BET Awards, and he like, oh, opens no. it with like, "That's an awfully hot coffee pot." Oh god! <laughs> it's like what a play on words. He mine him. Why you got to do this to yeah, us? Yep. Yep. All right. So, Man on the Moon three, the Chosen, uh, was released on. Uh, oh, where is it here? Twenty twenty. Yeah, it was in twenty twenty, uh, and it debuted at number two on the Billboard two hundred, earning uh, one hundred forty four thousand uh, sales. In, I dug the album. I like that. Album. Yeah, it it's bad. it's a good album. It's not it's not bad. It's just not. You know, it's it's. I feel like there needed to be one, two, and three a little bit closer together. Yes. I feel like there could have been a, a more cohesive storyline in two. 
and I felt like three, he was trying to make up for the shit that was weak in two. Yeah. Because two had some great singles, but it, it and and I will say three doesn't have any like standout singles. No, definitely not. You're right about that. That's what I was about to say too. That there was nothing that stands out track wise. Yeah. As a whole, it's a good piece of music, but like there's no individual. It's a nice piece star. of art. Yeah. Know? No shining, sh- no shining singles or tracks that you would hear like you did on this album. Yeah. Where some of the singles took over. Um, so. And we're just culturally significant, yes. you know. All right, so notable tracks and singles on this album. We got Pursuit of Happiness. Yep. We got Day and Night. Yep. We got Make or Say. Mm-hmm. We got Solo Dolo. Mm-hmm. We got Intergalactic. Mm-hmm. We got Up, Up, and Away. Mm-hmm. We got Sky Won't Fall. Mm-hmm. I would also put, like, Soundtrack to My Life on I there. would put Soundtrack to My Life yeah, on there as well. That's a good song as well. Um, Higher is okay. Yeah. Not, not, a, not crazy, crazy about that track, but... Yeah, it's not. It, but it, again, it's one of those things where I feel like it's it it works with the album, but it doesn't work on no, its own. I you do know? say like stand out like the ones that obviously, Pursuit of Happiness, Day and Night. Um, yeah, those are the two big standouts. Make or Say is another big standout track, but Up Up I and Away is like another good one. Intergalactic is probably my favorite song on the yeah. album. Um, the more that we've re-listened to it too, I think that's up there for me. Super catchy. Uh, yeah. is an earworm. It's yeah. an earworm. Yeah. It's an earworm. Funny enough, in the show that I was just doing, I did a. Uh, there was a bit where I sing a song. The guy that's with me says catchy. I go earworm, and then I pulled out a gummy worm, and we fucking ripped it apart and ate it. Nice. It was fucking great. Nice. Uh, shout out to Powagan. Uh All right. So reception. Boston Globe praised the experimental quality of the album and its spacey, adventurous, and ridiculously intriguing, if only because it's so different. Uh, and at the time, it was very different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a phase for a while after that where it, it, a lot of people tried shit like this. Didn't work out. Didn't no. sound the same. But they tried it. But it, it influenced hip-hop later yeah. on. The same way we talked about 808s influencing, like Travis Scott, this album also influenced mm-hmm. some of the, like, post-2016, yeah. um, you know, popular hip-hop sounds, this, like, psychedelic trap, all that sort of thing. I would say the, Mac Miller's last yeah. two albums heavily influenced by yeah, this, like very experimental, obviously. Experiment, like, experimenting in hip-hop, not that it was, you know, um, created by Kanye and Cuddy, but it was certainly pioneered by them yeah. in this time frame in, in hip-hop history. So, like, from, like, you know, 2008 on to, like, 2012, 2013, they were releasing... Um, you know, experimental albums. Even like when we, we make fun of Speeding Bullet to Heaven, but Cuddy trying to combine rock and hip hop. Um, yeah. You know, it didn't work out the greatest for him, but it was a. He took a shot on something that's uh, not that, you know, other people have tried. Like like Lil Yachty just released an album where it's a combination of rock, it's psych rock, and hip hop. And so it's still influencing people today. And you know what? He took a shot on it in a way that worked out a lot better than when MGK did. Yes. So, it's true. It's true. Uh, all right. Rolling Stone gave it three out of five, uh, Pitchfork gave it 4.1 out of nice. 10. Out of ten, all music gave it four out of five. AV Club gave it a B. Metacritic is seventy-one out of hundred, and any decent music, uh, it's six point five out of ten. Very mixed. Yeah, I think the Uh, album's aged properly. I I think so too. Maybe at the time it wasn't as well received because it wasn't, uh, you know. It wasn't what was hip hop at the it time. It wasn't like Flo Rida yeah. and the Black Eyed Peas. And and realistically, like we're going into like we've talked about it before, but that that like late two thousands was I I would say probably the worst time in a lot of music. Yes, there's a few years there where 
you know, with hip hop, you're transitioning away from like Fifty Cent, the game, Eminem, into this like weird shit, like you said, Flo Rida, T Pain. You yeah. know, there's like that was getting the the big radio play, the Black yeah. Eyed Peas, like when they took that weird pop turn. Yeah, that was like at the time. You think about it, that's like the boom boom pow. Yeah, bullshit era is that that time period. I got a feeling it's that time period. It's so meet me halfway. And everything oh. had a dubstep beat. Like, we've talked about this I don't know how many times. But this section of music, like, even, like, you know, 808s and Heartbreaks, like, Heart, like Heartless got some radio play, but a lot of the music on that didn't get any radio play. A lot of music on this album didn't get radio yeah. play. But that doesn't mean it's not, you know, it wasn't making waves in different ways, right? Yeah, so. I think that I think that for true, like, hip-hop fans back in the day, this was, this was something that they were yeah. interested in. And that's, I think, again, why, like, Rolling Stone is, you know, weak on it. The people there don't really know what the fuck no, is, is coming. We've had a couple with that too. Yeah, yeah like they, 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 when when they hear something that's different and bucks the system, they just generally d- write it yeah. off. You know. All right. So Ian Cohen of Pitchfork gave the album a negative review, finding it frustrating that the album felt like a failed opportunity rather than a non-starter. He further wrote that Cuddy largely smears his verse with a flat warble that is salvaged by autotune, which he remarked would be numbing enough on its own had it not been for the frequent, terrifyingly underwritten lyrics to jolt you into the sharp pangs of embarrassment. Nice. Which is a weird the thing to say because I think that his lyrics, I would rate. Lyrically, he's got some really fucking strong lyrics yeah, on this would, album. I would say I can see a little bit of the perspective. Like, some of his lyrics are not the strongest. Like, we've brought up the the toilet. Yeah, yeah. But, the, you know, they're, they're, they don't have to be strong in those senses. It's an overarching... The way he expresses an overarching theme... I think is where his lyrics get get stronger. I, I agree, and I think that if you're looking at the whole whole the thing as a whole, yes, that's where it makes a huge difference. Yes. you know, individually, I'm sure there's like any album, especially when it comes to hip hop, it's you know how many lyrics are on a hip hop album compared to like a rock album. Yeah, the, the difference is. You know, it's huge. So it's you're going to end up with lines that are not as quality as other lines, uh, you know. You might every... hit a debt or two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So it, it was number four on the U.S. Billboard uh, 200, number 11 in Canada, 15 in the U.K. R&B charts. In tw- 2022, it went back up to 90. Fuck but yeah. it charted in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2020, and 2021. Nice. Um, it was four times platinum in the U.S., silver in the U.K., and Man on the Moon, end of the day, or the end of day, was named Entertainment Weekly's best hip hop album of 2009, and called one of the year's best debut albums. Due to his key track Day and Night, he was also one of the five breakout stars of the year. Two singles from this album were nominated for awards at the 2010 Grammys: Day and Night and Maker Say. And in 2020, Rolling Stone ranked it at. 459 on their uh, 500 greatest albums of all time. Oh, so it's almost like they rated a 4.1 and then they rank it 459. Yeah. It's almost like they're hypocrites. It's almost like they can't fucking see the full picture. Yeah, it's almost like they're hypocrites. 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 You make a say. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. When I... Rate the album 4.1 out of fucking 10. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's rate this All fucking right, let's thing. rate this fucking let's thing. Let's do it. It's great to be back. I'm excited. It's our first rating in a it's while. It's our first let's rating do in it. a while. Let's go. Okay, every week we rate the album on technical, musical, lyrics, album art, reception, Hell and yeah. does it hold up. 
I'm going to say technical right off the bat. Let's go a little high on this because uh, you've got so many producers on this that are working with something that was genre-defining and, and, and really genre-bending. I'm going to go high on this. I'm going to say an 8.5 out of 10. I'm going to go at an 8. You're going at an 8? Yep. All right, so we're at an 8.25. Musically, there's a lot about this album that I love, and there's some things that, while they may not hold up, I can appreciate the risk that was taken with them. That's fair. Um, I would probably go with a 7.5 Yeah, I was, uh, weirdly enough, feeling the same thing. I think it certain aspects of it, we talked about it aging well as a whole, but there's certain parts of it that haven't. I think some, some of the beat making and certain songs yeah. haven't aged as well. It feels of its time a little bit. So I think... Uh, seven and a half is a very fair rating. Yeah, I, I would agree. Lyrically, we just talked about this, yeah. but I think like if you're looking at it as a whole and uh, like the story that it tells, you got to go high. But then you can point out those silly little fucking things that are but just t- like like just even the quirky. the balls to talk about mental health. Yeah. in like the mid two thousands. Yeah, uh, in hip hop, which is. You know, at the time was like it was very not, toxic. Not so much in the bling, bling 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 era, but it was still you know braggadocious yeah. in content. Um, you weren't really talking about. There wasn't a lot of talking about um, you know stuff in extreme depth. So just have no. the balls to do that on a debut, you know, full album. It's uh, it's impressive. So it's impressive. I think I think I'm gonna go an eight on it. I an think eight? I'm eight is where I'm coming in on it. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go an eight point two five on nice. this. So we're sitting at an eight right now. Album art. This album art is fucking cool. Great, great album it, it's art. It's so yeah. cool. I, I would go I would go probably uh, an eight and a half on the album art because it, it is like it's one of those albums from the two thousands that you can look at and go, Oh fuck, I I know it, you know? I and think I'm gonna come in at an eight. At an eight? Yeah. I think it's recognizable. I think you're right. It's something you can come back and be like, Yeah, I recognize the album. Um, yeah, I think an eight is is where I'm at with it. So, all right, now reception. This is a weird one because we have to go mid on it, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's it's this is we've encountered this before. Too, commercially, it was it was a, it was a uh, commercially a success, and over time, it's grown a yeah. bigger audience and more of appreciation for it. But at the time, it wasn't you know um, received critically as well as it would be nowadays. Yeah. Um, so I mean you kind of got to go with like a 5 or a 6. I think a 6 is kind of where I'd have to be on it. I would I would go with a 7 only because I feel like if you're comparing those three things it does knock out two of them. Yeah. It's just the one the critical one is so fucking Maybe low. Maybe I'll go 6 and a half. 6 and a half. All right. So we're at a we're at a 7.75 now does this hold up? Yes. I would say it holds up yes. as well. All right. I think that's pretty fucking good. 7.75. That's All right. a good rating. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm happy to be back. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you, yeah. my dude. Uh, I want to say uh, first off uh, we're going to be recording a lot more frequently now. We're actually going to be releasing weekly again. We're back, um, to, back to our schedule. We're back to our schedule. And then on top of that, uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening over the past year. We, we, we crossed our one-year anniversary. Yep. Um, and uh, we are in for consideration at the Canadian Podcast Awards right now. Uh, to even be considered is incredible. Yep. Uh, that means a lot, and that wouldn't be possible without everybody that listens and, and shares and everything. So please keep doing that. Give us a good rating. We appreciate it. I mean, we, we uh, as much as, you know, we bullshit and fuck around, we do work hard on this from we do time work to hard. time. From time to time. So it's, uh, I know I always appreciate when people reach out to us and send us messages. It certainly warms my heart. And oh, it warms the cockles yeah. of them. Yeah, so I, I appreciate everybody listening. I'm excited to start this new chapter and 
get rocking and rolling. We got tons of more content coming out here in the next next month. I mean, we got so yeah. many things to do, and we're going to be exploring new spaces, trying new stuff. Uh, just you know, getting back to our bread and butter, which is uh, doing a podcast. Hell yeah, brother! So, all right, well, let's fucking do it. That was Kid Cuddy's Man on the Moon. We're back, baby. Anal contusions. Bop, bop, bop.